Amen. Amen. You are alive, O oh Lord. That's why we're here. We know that after you were crucified on the cross, we know that you were risen the third day. Just as you said, just as Jonah was in the whale belly for three days and three nights, so were you in the heart of the earth. And we know the grave is empty, and we know that you're alive and well. And we're here tonight because you are alive and well. Lord, we know it in our spirits. We feel it in our soul. And we know that someday we'll be with you in the kingdom. Father God, you, we can't be persuaded the other way. Even the heavens declare your glory, Lord God. We know it just by looking around us. Think about how the universe works perfectly in order. Think of how our bodies work perfectly in order. And that includes every animal on the face of the earth. Lord, you are awesome. You put the stars in the sky. They float on nothing. And you know them all by name. Unbelievable, Lord, but it's believable because we know who you are. You are the God of the impossible. You're the God that's there. Whether you're at the bottom of the Mariana Trench in the South Pacific or whether you're on the top of Mount Everest, we could go there and there you are. We could go to Africa, and there you are. We could go to Australia, and there you are. We could go to Japan, and there you are. We can go to Europe, and there you are. And uh, we can come right here where we're at, in Lantana, Florida, and there you are. Because you are El Roy, the God who is, the, is there. Oh, Lord, thank you for being here tonight. We wouldn't be doing this, Lord, if it weren't for you. But we know whether there's one person here or one billion people here, Lord, we know that you are here with us because you live inside of us. We thank you for the empty grave. and We thank you, Jesus, for demonstrating your love towards us and that we were sinners and you came and died for us. We were enemies of you and you died for us to pay our way to heaven because you love your creation and we love you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated for you, those of you at home. Uh, I, I want you to know that if you listen to the early part of this service, I want you to know that um, I'm going to repeat it because there's an audience that just tuned in. And I want you to know that this is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're, you're out there. Um, you know, um, we're here every Thursday night at 7.15. We're here every Sunday at 10 a.m. You know, we stream live, freedomchurchpb.org. We also have a men's Bible study every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. That is not streamed. So if you're local, why don't you make your way to Freedom Church, 2810 High Paluxo Road. We're a quarter mile west of I-95 on the north side of the road, of, of High Paluxo Road. So go to I-95, go to High Paluxo Road, which is the north border of Boynton Beach, the south border of Lantana, and you head a quarter mile west on the right-hand side or the north side of the road, there's Freedom Church standing there. Um, so we're glad that you're here, um, that you might stop by. We have a great men's group on Saturdays. It's not aired live, but we have several churches represented. You know, we have a pastor from a local church, and 
You know, we're not talking 1,500 people. We're talking 8 to 10 people here every Saturday. But God has blessed our, our Bible study. Um, so, um, so tune in next Sunday at 10 a.m. or and Thursday night at 7.15. You can go to our website and tune in. Or you can go to our website, Freedom Church PB, stands for palmbeach.org, freedomchurchpb.org. And on our website, you can find out what we believe in. We believe in the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. We believe this, this word is in there. There are no exceptions to it. It is a perfectly accurate. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord, that he came, he died, he was buried, and he is risen. We believe all that. It's all about Jesus here at Freedom Church. You know, I just want you to know that. You know, um, you can online, you can find out, you know, our beliefs. You can find out our address. You can find out our ministries. You can watch past services from the last six, seven, eight years. Um, and you can even give online should, should you uh, be led by the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is leading you, please don't disregard him. Listen to what the Holy Spirit says. It's for your benefit and for the benefit of the kingdom of God. Because, you know, churches support missionaries, hopefully, and missionaries are out there in different parts of the world, and even in, Mar in America, preaching the gospel. People need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ as this world spirals down to hell in a handbasket. We need to straighten up people of God. You know, Jesus said, to pray that thy will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And I'll tell you what, the heathen is not going to do it. It's the Christian that's going to do it. The Christian, he's the one that will help God's kingdom come to this earth because he's living it. He's living the gospel. So um, we're glad you're, you're tuned in to us, and tune in Sunday at 10 a.m. I think that's about it. If I, if I didn't mention you can give online, you can give online. And thank you, by the way, for your tithes and offerings. We really appreciate it. That's what keeps this church alive. And we have a missionary in Brazil right now. He'll be home next month, June, yeah, July, about the middle of July. He'll be home, done with his six-month tour of teaching English to, to Portuguese-speaking uh, Brazilians so that they can go out into the world and preach the gospel. Portuguese is not a well-known language, but English is. That's why they can hit more people groups with the English language. So he's down there teaching them and training them, and he'll be home next month. And we're going to welcome him home because we miss him here. Um, so that's about it. Um, if you have anything you want to tell me, you can just add joe at freedomchurchpb.org. That's my, my email, joe at freedomchurchpb.org. And we thank you again. Uh, listen, I, I mentioned earlier that we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 tonight. We're going to be in the 7th and the 8th verse. Matthew chapter 7, the 7th and the 8th verse. So turn your Bible there. That's a common passage of Scripture. I'm sure if you've only been a Christian a short time, you've heard of this passage. Chapter 7. Verse 7 and 8, and I'm going to be reading. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Version right here. Chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, 
and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. That's our passage, just a few verses here. There's a lot said in this verses and a lot that isn't said, but could be said if you studied the Greek a little bit. Um, ask, seek, knock is what it shall be. I put flyers out for those of you that are here today, just a half a page of paper, you know, and a flyer with, with our study here tonight. And I'm going to add, add on to that as we, as we move, of course. Verse 7 and 8. I want to tell you, you know, that asking it shall be given to you, seeking you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened. If you went to the inner, the uh, international study version of the Bible, you would find it says this, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, and the door shall be opened unto you. For everyone who keeps on asking, and receives, and to everyone who keeps on seeking, he will find. And if anyone keeps on knocking, it will be, it will be opened to you. See, the verb tense there is it's continual. You got to keep on asking. You just don't go to God and say, God, I need this done uh, once. He says to keep on asking me, keep on knocking, just and keep on uh, seeking. It's just like when you are a little child. You know, you go to the grocery store, you're with your mommy in line, and you see a candy bar there. And you say, Mommy, can I have a candy bar? And then you know what? Mommy says no. But then you say again, Mom, can I have a candy bar? And you keep on pestering her, pestering her, and pestering her until she buys the candy bar for you. You remember those days? Because I remember them. I remember it with popsicles with my dad, you know. Popsicle in my day, when I was a young kid, probably seven, eight years old, cost six cents. Six cents, I don't even know what they cost today. But you could divide that popsicle in two, and there were three kids and dad. And mom was there, but she didn't like popsicles because she hardly ever got one. But dad, if he didn't have 12 cents for two popsicles, nobody got anything. He had to have one for each kid and one for himself. You know, Times are different now, you know. we got to keep on asking. Jesus is telling us. These are the words of Jesus here. He says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. He's saying to you, don't let go. There's even a parable in, uh, in, uh, in this Bible that tells you about a wicked uh, landowner. And there was this lady that kept pestering him, pestering him, pestering him. And he said, he wouldn't help her. He wouldn't help her. But she pestered him so much, he said, finally, just give her what she wants so that she quits bothering me. And that's almost the way this is put. You keep on going to God. If you have a sickness or a disease or a prayer request that you want saved, you know, want him to, to do. If you have a loved one that needs to be saved, you keep on asking. You keep on knocking. You keep on seeking after that, after that uh, in that prayer. You don't let up. You keep on asking. And that's what the point number one is on your chart. Ask, seek, knock, but keep on doing it. Asking, by the way, shows humility. You are bowing your heart before God, showing humility to him. You can't do it, but he can, because he's the God of the impossible. God loves giving 
good things to his children. God loves giving good things to his children. So he wants you to keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking, because he loves to do it for us. But he loves to know that you know who did it for you. I want you to know. He wants you to know he did it. Number point number two is ask in Jesus' name. John 16, 23 on your flyer says this. And in that day, ye, listen, in that day, Jesus is talking to his disciples. In that day, in other words, after I am gone. He had told them that he's going to be crucified, and he's be, he'll be leaving them. He's saying here, after I am gone, you will ask me nothing. What? That don't sound right, does it? You will not ask me anything, but you've got to keep on reading. What's he say? You shall ask the Father in my name. See, Jesus isn't here anymore. He was here. He accomplished what he had to do. God the Father administrated a plan how to save his creation. Jesus showed up on earth, and he revealed who the Father was. And now we have the Holy Spirit in this world who is the operation of the Father. Jesus is in heaven right now. He's not really here. He's here in the person of the Spirit that lives within you and within me if you've accepted Christ as your Savior. He's in heaven interceding for us. He intercedes before the Father. The, the enemy's up there. The devil's up there accusing you. <gasps> Joe just sinned. And Jesus is their Father. Joe's one of my servants. Joe has accepted me. He believes in me. So the devil loses. He's interceding for me like a lawyer would intercede for you at a court, in a courtroom. And now it's the Holy Spirit that's working down here. So Jesus is saying, when I'm gone, you ask me nothing because I'm gone. But you will ask the Father in my name. That's why you hear a lot of people say, prayers, they say, they usually start out, Father, that's the way I usually start. I say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Then you say your prayers, what you would like done, how, how you, know, forget, you know, repent of your sin, whatever it is that you're doing. And then you'll say, usually, and most people know it today, that they believe in Jesus, they will say, I'm asking Father in Jesus' name, because he will do it, because that's important to God the Father. The Father gets glory through what his Son has done on the cross. You could back that up with other scriptures. And whatsoever you ask me in my name, John 14, 13, he will do it for you. You can even go to John chapter 15. Just turn over to John chapter 15. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Chapter 15 and verse 16. John chapter 15 and verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Fifteen and verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. See, Jesus is, is, has prepared his disciples, and that includes you and I, because we are disciples of Christ. 
You are to go, therefore, and make disciples. You have been made a disciple by receiving Christ as your Savior. You might be a young disciple who has to learn. You know, you might have got saved, who knows, three months ago, six months ago. Or you might have got saved 20 years ago. But the point is, you are a disciple, and you have to grow in the grace and the knowledge. But Jesus is telling you in these verses that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. We got to remember that. You got to ask the Father in Jesus' name. That's very important. Number three, you got to abide in God's word. John 15 says, 15, 7. You know that that verse. Um, John chapter 15, that's the the uh, the vine, the the vine chapter. And we're gonna turn to the 15th chapter and the 7th verse. And here's what it says. This I command you, that you love one another. I'm sorry, it was a 14th and the 13th verse. Uh, I might have 14th and 13th verse. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So it is going to be done so that the Father is glorified through or in the Son Jesus as he answers your prayers. So be careful when he answers your prayer. Make sure you tell others so God is glorified. If God heals you of a particular thing, it's not for you to keep inside. You need to tell your mother, your father, your sisters, your brothers, your church people, your church friends and relatives so God gets the glory because he's the one that will heal you. It's not you because of some flowery prayer that you pray. It's because you prayed to God the Father in Jesus' name and he did it for you so that he himself would be glorified because he deserves all the glory. Hebrews 6, 12. That's almost to the end of the book. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. Let me start at the 11th verse. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize full assurance of hope until the end, that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. See, you're inheriting promises here from the Lord. Jesus promised, if you ask the Father anything in his name, he'll do it for you. Now, you can't ask him for something that isn't biblical. You want to ask for, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, um, things that, that for your own personal gain, like, Father, I want to I wanna win the lottery. Can I win the lottery? You know what? That's for personal gain. God doesn't need money to save souls. It's, uh, it's needed to send missionaries or churches to exist and pay their bills and to support your pastor. Yes, it's necessary. But we have inherited promises once we come to know Christ as your Savior. And I always use, and I love Psalm 103. You've heard me quote it a lot of times. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. This is a benefit. You ask the Father in Jesus' name, and if it's biblical, and it's not selfishness, and it's not out of context, 
the Lord will do it for you. He'll do it. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. You know, there's all kind of benefits in here, in this Bible. I've, I went online one time, and some scholars say 7,000 benefits. Others say 15,000 benefits. There's so much in here that it's, it's, it's hard to, to say. But forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all your sins? You believe that. Who heals all your diseases? Well, some of us believe that. <laughs> and who saves your life from the pit? You believe you're going to heaven so you receive Jesus. You don't have a hard time. These are benefits of God. He forgives your sin, he heals all your diseases, and he delivers your life from the pit. Hell. He delivers your life from hell. Listen, we inherit this through faith and patience with the Lord. Number four, you ask according to God's will with right motives. 1 John chapter 5. Verse 14. <clears throat> First John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is, is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask according to his will, he hears us. If you ask according to his will. Asking to hit the lottery is not his will. I can tell you that. He wants you to walk in faith and not by sight. Asking the Father that you might get a, a might be known, well known, or you can you can be uh, addressed as uh, someone special. That is not God's will. He wants you to be something special so you can tell people about who he is and bring him glory, not yourself glory. <clears throat> you ask according to his will. He will hear you. You might ask for something that looks like his will. You know, you might want uh, a motorcycle, but you're only five years old, and you can't, you just, you're not ready for a motorcycle. You've got to remember that. God knows what you can handle, and he'll give it to you accordingly. You've got to ask according to his will with right motives. John, 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And number seven, ask in belief. Matthew 21, 22. Here's what Matthew 21, 22 says. And all things, whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. When you ask God in prayer, you must believe that you're going to receive it. Abraham was saved because he believed in things that were not as though they did, as though they were. You, you know, so you believe that what you prayed will happen. You've got to have faith. That's called faith. It's called faith. And you know what? My next point there, number six, is do not doubt. And if you turn to Hebrews, which is towards the back of the New Testament, okay? Hebrews chapter um, six or four and verse two. Hebrews chapter four and verse two. <coughs> For indeed, we have good news preached to us 
just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those that heard it. So here's what the Bible is saying. The gospel has been preached to the church and to many other people. He's saying, but the word did not profit you because you didn't believe it. This is the word of God. God's not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he's going to repent. He has spoken and he'll do it. But you have to believe it. That's faith. That's faith. <clears throat> it wasn't mixed with faith. Paul was saying here, or if we think it's Paul that may have wrote Hebrews, he is saying, you know, the same gospel that was preached to me was preached to you. But it didn't profit you because you didn't believe. Paul, when he saw Jesus on the road to Damascus and heard his voice, he believed. He believed. He really believed. And there are people today <coughs> that, <coughs> that move mountains in Jesus' name. Jesus said, you know, have faith in God. If you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, listen, to that, do not doubt in your heart. But believe that what you prayed will happen, then God will grant it to you. <coughs> Some of you ask for healing, but you don't really think God will heal you. If you pray for healing, you've got to believe that what, you're, what is not as yet, you've got to believe that it will be. You've got to believe the things that are not as though it were, as though it were, as though it existed. You've got to believe these things. <coughs> you can pray to this, say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea. Now, I'm not going to go up to Mount Everest, and I'm not going to say, uh, Mount Everest, be cast into the sea. We're not talking about this. This is a spiritual passage. You have a mountain in your life, and you need it to be moved out of your way. You pray that God will remove it. Your, your mountain may be you have a bad marriage. Your mountain may be that you're facing a 9-foot, 6-inch giant like David did. You know, that was David's mountain. What is your mountain? What is your mountain? Well, you need to pray, ask God to remove it, have faith in God, believe that what you prayed will happen, and then God will grant it to you. That's a promise. That's a promise. That's a benefit of being a Christian. And if it don't come to pass, then, then you, wonder, you wonder to yourself, is, is this according to God's will? You wonder to yourself, do I have enough faith? There's all kind of ways. Am, am, I, am I not believing like as well as I should? There's all kind of ways. You know, it's not just faith. It's, it's a bunch of other things also. You've got to ask and believe. Turn to Psalm 78, verse 41. Psalm 78, verse 41. <coughs> 78, verse 41. 
It's a long chapter. This is when, the, when Israel was coming out of Egypt. <clears throat> I'm going to go to the 40th verse. We're going to start there. How often they, meaning Israel, rebelled against him in the wilderness. You know they rebelled. Oh, we loathe this manna. We want meat. We want water. And they cried and cried and cried. They were always rebelling against him. So, of course, Moses was told to speak to the rock and to walk, walk, spewed out water enough for Israel to drink. They complained about no meat. So God sent so much quail into them that they fell inside the camp to the point where they loathed the, the quail. You know, they hated the manna. They wanted to get, you know, they wanted meat. The manna. What is manna? The manna means what is it? They, when they showed up on the rocks, you know, it was like a fine bread. You know, they showed up on the rock. They said, it's manna. What is it? God told them it's angel's food. They weren't satisfied with angel's food. They had to have quail. They weren't satisfied with the water that they had. They had to have a river of water flowing through the desert. They rebelled constantly. And it says in verse 40, they grieved him in the desert. They were grieving God because they, they, they were always crying out. They were rebelling against him. They had bad words to say. Do you know absolutely none of them made it into the promised land except Caleb and Joshua? Because they were the spies that said, it's a good land. There's giants in the land. And the fruit is, is precious. It's big and juicy. And we aren't afraid of the giants. Jonathan and Caleb, they were the only two that made it in because the other ones complained. Even Moses didn't make it. Because he struck the rock the second time and God said, just speak to it. And that's what you've got to do today. Jesus does not need struck again because he's the rock of our salvation. You know what? We just need to speak to the rock, Jesus Christ, and say, Jesus, I'm obeying you as what you told us. I'm going to ask the Father, now that you're away from us, I'm going to ask the Father in your name. And we need to believe it and it will be done. Verse 41, and here it goes on. Not only did they rebel against him in the wilderness, and again and again they tempted God, constantly tempted God. God told them to destroy everybody, to destroy the animals, to leave the possessions and burn them, and they didn't do it in most cases. It cost the lives of 36 men when Joshua went into Ai after his victory through God at at uh, Jericho, it cost the lives of 33 men, 36 men, I'm sorry. They, 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 again and again, they tempted God, and they limited, listen to that word, they limited the Holy One of Israel. Listen, if you don't have faith that your disease or sickness will be, be healed, then you are limiting the Holy One of Israel. I like Taco Bell's thing, Taco Bell's uh, slogan, think outside the box. You don't put God in a little box like he's your puppet. There's genie. You rub the lamp and the genie comes out and says, I'll give you three wishes. No, God's God. God is all powerful. He's El Shaddai. He can do whatever he wants. He can make water flow out of a rock. He can bring quail into the desert till you loathe it 
when eating it. And he can make angels' food appear on rocks every, every, every morning. God is God. If you think he can't heal cancer, you got another thing coming. He most certainly can. If you don't think he can heal leprosy, he most certainly can. You know, if you don't think he can can heal your your uh, leg because you're crippled or your lungs because you have COPD or some kind of disease, he most certainly can. You've got to not limit the Holy One of Israel because look out at the sky tonight and look at all the stars and look at the moon. And remember, the earth hangs on nothing, yet it does the same thing. Year after year after year, circles the sun, 365 and a quarter days every year. We can count on we can count on summer and winter and spring and fall. We can count on it. We know it's going to happen because God has already ordered these things done. And even the universe obeys God, but man cannot obey God for some reason. Even those that want to obey him, like myself and like you, we just can't do it. We fall short. Every time I think of the words that Jesus, Jesus said to Peter and James and John, you know, he said, will you pray with me for one hour? The time has come. And he'd go back and they were sleeping. He'd say, though, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And that's us. Our spirits are willing, but our flesh is so weak. Don't limit the Holy One of Israel. You've got to think outside of the box. He most certainly can heal your disease. The Scriptures give us orders in the Scriptures how to do it. If you're to call for the elders of the church and here to pray over you and anoint you with oil and the prayer of faith will heal the sick and if they have any sin, it will be forgiven them. He, he tells us to do this. He tells us to, to uh, tithe to the church the the scriptures are really clear. It's a principle of scripture. You tithe to your local church. You tithe to it, even in the New Testament days. It's a principle of scripture. But the church doesn't, for the most part. Maybe 10% of most churches tithe, have believers in it that tithe. And they're the ones that keep the church alive. They really are. Because God uses them, because they believe God in his word. And they tithe their there are resources to God. And by the way, you know, when I was a young believer, here's what I went to my pastor. I just got saved. I was making good money. I had a business of my own. I was making good money. I went to the pastor, and I said, Pastor, should I tithe on my net or my gross? I figured, that's a hard question. He's going to have a hard time answering that. You know what he said to me? He didn't even think about it. He says, which do you want to be blessed on, your, your net or your gross? I said, I want to be blessed on my gross. I said, well, then you tithe on your gross. Not. You may not believe that, but you know what? Don't. But you're limiting the Holy One of Israel. Because he says, this is, says, tithe and see if I don't open up the storehouses of heaven. You can test me in this, says Malachi, chapter 3. You can test God in this. See, you can tithe and see if he doesn't open up the store gates of heaven. I know people that were buried under. Hey, I was one such people. I used that, for example. I had a business in Fort Lauderdale. Business was doing well. We grossed over $2 million a year. But I was broke. 
I was broke. When I, I decided I'm going to close that business down because I, I keep getting sinker and sinker and deeper and deeper every month. I closed it down. I owed the IRS over $100,000. I owed the state of Florida over $42,800, if I remember correctly. I closed the business down, sold everything we had, paid off everybody that we could, which was just about everybody but the state and the federal government. And do you know, I, the Lord turned me on to a Christian brother that dealt with the IRS, and he explained what happened to them, and we went back and forth, and before I knew it, my debt of over $100,000 was gone. The IRS just forgave it. And the same thing happened to the state of Florida. We explained to them why we couldn't pay, you know, the sales tax money that we caught. And the lady, we met with her several times over it, I myself. And she just, she just put it away. She says, we're going to forget about it. I can understand what happened. I, within two years, I was debt free. Listen, God, if you give, and tithe, God will answer you. And he says, see if I don't open up the storehouses of heaven. I got to the point through that experience that I could now enter ministry because I had no debt. I had no debt. Don't limit the Holy One of Israel. I'm telling you, even over money, do not do it. But there's a responsibility. You need to tithe and see if God doesn't open up the storehouses of heaven. You can turn to Malachi chapter 3 and I believe it's verse 8. Ask in belief. Do not doubt. Ask in faith, says James 1.6. Go back to the new, back to the Bible again that are towards the back after the book of Hebrews chapter 1 of James and verse 8. Being double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Are you going to believe what God says or you're not going to believe what God says? Are you a double-minded person? Verse 6 of James chapter 1. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Listen. There's a verse in Scripture that says, cast your bread upon the water, and after many days it will come back to you. We're talking about rolling waves here. We're talking about waves that people surf on. You know, they roll in the shore. You can throw your, your pop bottle out there, or Coke bottle, or lamp out there, and after a while it will come back to you. But that isn't what James is saying here. He says, he said, let him ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. He's talking about an, un an un double minded man is unstable in all his ways, like the sea shore, not the rolling waves, but the storm that's going on. It's clashing waves all over the place. You don't know where you're going to get a hit. You're in a boat, you've got one crashing over the stern, one crashing over the, over the over the other side, the other stern, you've got them coming in from the back and coming in from the right. It's waves of the water. You could throw your bread on the water and it'll end up in China because the world, you know, it's unreal, unruly. Those waves are unruly. That's what James is saying. Don't 
Don't be unstable in all your ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Dave, King David prayed in Psalm 86, 11. Here's what he said. He said, give me an undivided heart, O God. You know what a double-minded man? He has an undivided heart. He has a divided heart. He doesn't know which way to go. Should I tithe or should I not tithe? Well, God answers that tithe, okay? Should I pray for healing or should I not pray for healing? God has an answer for that. Don't limit me. I can heal. I will heal. We've had have several people in this ministry healed. Or we had a lot of them not be healed either. I don't know whether it's lack of faith. I don't know if their time was up. I believe that was it. We prayed that people would live and they pass away. But the days of the Bible says that man's days are numbered. He knows all of our days. You could fast. You could pray till you're sick. You know, pray all the time. And that person may be gone because that time was already set. But I'll tell you what, we're to believe in faith. We're to have faith no matter what. We're not to doubt. We can't put God in a shoebox. You've got to think outside of the box. Number seven, you have to check your heart. Check your heart. Why is it that you're asking? And stay, since we're in the book of James, go to chapter 4 and verse 3. You ask... And do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Father, let me win the lottery. I need to buy a boat so I can go fishing on Saturday. Before you know it, you're not fishing on just Saturday. You're fishing on Sunday too. And you miss church. You got to, you know what? These messages are strong, but the church needs to wake up. I need to wake up because this is for me first. Before you, I tell everybody, I have to get a double, triple dose of this stuff. You think that God isn't speaking to me? He does speak to me. By the way, I do tithe. Me and my wife do tithe. I just, so you know, but there's other things, not so much. Listen. Chapter 4 and verse, verse uh, 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You know, the boat, the boat situation I just got you, I, I've experienced that in a church I was in up north. We had great people, godly people, lived in church. One of them was a, an organist and a pianist, and, and the other one was a, a big businessman. And they went out and they bought a boat, and they were, he was, uh, I think, a deacon or an elder in the church. And before you know it, he wasn't showing up anymore. You know what he was doing? Fishing on Sunday, not just on Saturday. You know what? It's, it was stealing him away from God because maybe he asked amiss. I don't know. All I know is, you know, he disappeared. He's a great guy. We loved him, but he disappeared. And if there's anything keeping you from church today, even this COVID stuff, it's time to get out of your box and get to church. You know, the Proverbs talks about the sluggard. The sluggard don't go out of his house because he sees a lion in the road. You know, COVID is a, is a lion that wants to take you down. But the devil comes like a roaring lion. Did you hear that word? He comes like a roaring lion. He is not a roaring lion. Jesus put him in his place when he died at Calvary and he conquered him and he smashed him 
He's done. He's done for. There's not a lion in the road anymore. Get out the church. Quit watching online. Yes, you'll get more scripture. I'm glad you're watching online. But you aren't getting fellowship and exhortation because you're not in church talking to your brothers and sisters where they're, they're, they're hugging and kissing you with a holy hug and a holy kiss. It's time to get out of the house. It's time to get back to church, Christian. The devil is slowing down the gospel's manifestation in all the world, and he's slowing it down because he knows his time is short, and Jesus is coming back. And if he can slow the time down to reach that last person that never heard the gospel about Jesus to get saved, he's slowing it down, trying to steal the money from the church or from your lap as a believer in the church and, you know, forcing you not to have a good job or anything like that. It's the devil that's doing that. So he slows down the gospel manifestation in all the world because his time is short and he knows it. And he's slowing the church down. It's time to get out there and preach the gospel and support your churches and to support your missionaries and preach that they might preach the gospel in all the world. Ask in agreement with others is point number eight. It's my last point on this sheet. Matthew 18 and 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth as touching anything that they ask, they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Jesus is saying, when you pray and you want a healing, he said, he's saying here, what's he saying? He's saying, if you shall agree. So if I'm going to pray for somebody here tonight that they be healed, we should pray and agree. If you don't agree, go to God and ask, you, ask him if he might help you to agree. Listen. If you go to a church that says there's no healing for you today, you'll never be healed, most likely, unless it's by God's mercy and His grace. You go where they do believe, even if it's far out. At least they have the desire and the love for God's Word to believe what God says. I mentioned it the last couple weeks, teaching in Matthew chapter 13. And I, I talked about Matthew chapter 8 and chapter 9. We see Jesus healing, you know, um, we see him healing the leper, okay? And he is IDing himself as Jehovah Rophe, God our healer. We see him as the shepherd in these 11 miracles in Matthew chapter 8 and 9. We see him as El Rohi, the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's what the centurion did after his servant was healed. He laid down in green pastures and thanked the Lord. We saw him as our righteousness, as he healed the, the lead the man with the legion 
And I explained to you, if he's talking about a Roman legion, it is not 2,000 people. A Roman legion back in biblical days was 6,000 men. 6,000 men. That's a lot of power. He was El Shalom. As he healed the, he, he caused the Sea of Galilee to hush and be still. He's El, El, I say Jehovah Jireh. He provided fish and bread in the wilderness as he fed the 4,000 and then fed the 5,000. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's Jehovah Nisi who gives us victory when we pray. He's our victory banner. We saw him as that. Listen, we got to get back on the page and remember who Jesus is. He's the God who heals you. He is. He ID'd himself in those eleven miracles in Matthew chapter eight and nine. He ID'd himself as Jehovah, whether it was Jehovah Jireh, whether he was Jehovah, whether he was Jehovah El, you know, El Roy. You know, the Lord who sees. We need to believe. We need to move our faith into higher territory. We can't look at this world and think this world has the last say. It doesn't. God has the last say. So where do miracles happen? I'm going to show you. I'm going to go through them real quick. Where miracles happen, where believers pray. You believe that? Yes, it's true. It says, call upon me in your day of trouble, says Jeremiah 33.3. That's the phone number for God. That's his cell number, by the way. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Jeremiah 33.3 says, call upon me in your day of trouble, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you don't know. So if you need something right now, whether you need a job, whether you need healed, whether you need your kids to speak to you, whether you need your marriage healed, you go to God and say, God, I'm calling upon you in my day of trouble. Answer me and show me these great and mighty things which you talk about. Peter told, Peter and John were walking into the temple beautiful at the gate at the time of, of uh, worship. And there was a, a beggar, uh, a lame man outside. And he wanted some money. And Peter and John looked at him and says, Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And the guy got up and leaped and praised God all through the temple. You know what? we got to believe it. Peter and John obviously believed it because that guy was healed immediately. You know where miracles happen? Where impossibility exists. Where you think is the impossible, God is can make it possible. Where else do miracles happen? It it's where your religion fails. It isn't about Presbyterian and Methodist and Lutheran and Assembly of God or Calvary chapels or anything like that. It's, it is about, we don't want to be religious. It's not about religiosity. Those scribes and Pharisees never did any miracles. It was Jesus who did the miracles because he was trying to break their religious spirit, their legalism, 
legalistic spirit also. Where miracles happen where religion fails. Miracles also happen where God gets the glory, not you. If you pray, if you lay your hands on somebody and they come to life because they're dead, you know what? Don't think for one minute you did it. Don't think for one minute. You're just a mere man. You couldn't do anything. You know what? You were just believing the Word of God, and God did it, not you. Where else do miracles happen? Where gifts are given. The lame man was given a gift. Rise up and walk, says Peter. And he walked. Where gifts are given, like the gift God gave you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. That's, that's the gift. That's where miracles happen. You are now transformed if you really believe. You are born again. You are transformed in a twinkling of an eye. You might be the same person. You look the same. You act the same. You weigh the same. But you're changed inside because he gave you a new start. He gave you a gift of eternal life. And now you see spiritually and not just physically. Where else are miracles uh, where else do miracles happen? Where Jesus is glorified. That's where. Where Jesus is glorified because Jesus glorifies the Father. So geez, the name of Jesus needs to be high and lifted up because there's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. No other name. There's no mediator between God and man except the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not the pastor. It's not the preach preacher. I mean, it's not the priest. It's not even the prophet. It's where Jesus is glorified. Where else do miracles happen? Where touch is made. Where touch is made. Where to lay hands on the sick and they are to recover. You've got to lay hands on Why is there touch? I don't know. Love? Compassion? I believe that's a big part of it. To lay your hands on somebody and pray with with a heart of compassion. Where else do miracles happen? Where confirmation is needed. Miracles will happen. You know why? Because these signs accompany those who believe in God's name. In His name. Not your name. He will cast out demons. He will, you will speak with new tongues. You will drink deadly poison and it shall not hurt you. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And you can even cast out demons where confirmation is needed. The Jews asked for a confirmation in Matthew chapter 13. They said, give us a sign. You know what, if I was Jesus, not that I would have answered any better than Jesus, but I would have said, didn't you see all the miracles I did in Matthew chapter 8 and chapter 9? I did 11 miracles for you, identifying who I am. Don't you believe? He, I confirmed who I was, so he said, I'm not going to give you any signs except the sign of Jonah. As Jonah was in the belly of the great fish, three days and three nights, so will I be in the heart of the earth. He wanted them to know, and he's crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day, he will rise up, and that'll be the sign that I am Jehovah Jireh. I am Jehovah Nisi. I am Jehovah Shalom, and I am Jehovah Rophe. 
and I am the resurrection and the life, and he who comes to me shall not be cast out. He who comes to me will have life and have it eternally. That's why. God bless you, everybody. Listen, you should know from this message, we preach the gospel here at Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. So get off of your chairs, get out of your beds, and get to church on Sunday. I pray that it might be Freedom Church, 2810 High Paluxo Road. But if it's not, get out to your church and get the gospel moving through the world again so we can get out of here and the trumpet can sign and the dead in Christ can rise up and we who are alive and remain can meet the Lord in the air. I want out of here bad. I'd rather be raptured than die. I don't know about you, but it sounds cool, man. Right there, transformed in a twinkling of an eye. I'm game. Anyway. I love you all. We'll see you on Sunday. God bless you.